You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. I have a special guest for you today, Joe Jackson Gibbs. I spoke to him a week ago about his impact on Ron Rivera during the Redskins coaching search, his advice, and his thoughts on owner Dan Snyder. We also touch on Joe Jacoby and the failed Hall of Fame pursuit so far, as well as on the legacy of Gibbs's late son, J.D. And then I close out this episode with Chef Mel getting you ready for your Super Bowl spread with a couple recipes. Before I get started with Gibbs, I do want to acknowledge the audio quality of the interview as there was some clear distortion that we discovered after the taping. We wondered about running it because you want everything perfect and we worked hard to have good quality tapings. But in the end, the thought was simple. It's Joe Gibbs. So with that in mind, here's my interview with the Redskins Hall of Fame coach. Now I'm very honored with my guest here, Joe Gibbs, the Redskins Hall of Fame coach, and a NASCAR Hall of Fame team owner. And I'm just, again, honored that you would join me here. And Joe, I want to get into this right away because a lot of the stuff has been made about your impact on Ron Rivera and him taking this job. How well did you know Ron before all this? I know he was coaching in Carolina and you're, you're down there too. So how well did you know him before all this? Yeah, we've been around each other, but not, I, I don't think I spoke to him more than once or twice, so I, I did not really know him, uh, but, you know, as we started, you know, Dan and I talked because we're friends, and I kind of knew that there definitely was an interest in him uh, when everything happened here in Charlotte, and then um, he just called me, hmm. and we talked on the phone, and we met the very next day. And I felt like the thing that I could help with the most was to tell him what it was like working with Dan. Um, Dan and I became good friends, and Dan, when I was there, did everything he could to help me win games. And when we lost games, it was my fault. <laughs> and so I thought I could give a very good you know, evaluation of what it's like working with Dan. I think the second thing I felt like I could help with was telling him what it's like to coach in Washington. Right. You know, I, I think, honestly, it's the greatest town in the world. It's the most powerful town in the world. And the fan base there, I really believe and told him this, that this is the greatest sports franchise in the world, and you get a chance to coach there. And I told him, if I'm going to coach football, I was so fortunate to be in a town where football is important. <laughs> Yeah, I told him. I told him you can count on one thing: football is important in Washington. And so I said they're going to chill the hay out of you when you got it going, and they're going to 
let you know it when you make a mistake, too. So, yes, um, they will. I, 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 yeah, I just tried to give him a feel of what it was like. And like I said, I, I thought it was one of the greatest experiences in the world. And certainly, I think it's the best uh, NFL franchise for sure. It, when, when, you, when you would talk to him about Dan, what would you tell him? Because obviously... It hasn't always gone well here, and you know that. Um, and there have been some people who have complained about Dan Snyder. So, what would you tell him is the key to making it work with Dan? I think I think his number one thing for Dan is doing everything he can to win. Dan doesn't run that as a business. He has a burning desire to win. That's his number one thing, and that's what you want, I think, in an owner. I think the second thing. I told him is that Dan is very bright. I think he understands in the, uh, uh, football, but never, ever, when I was there, did he in any way interfere or set in rooms where you're evaluating offense or defense, nothing like that. And Dan was always just supportive, wanting to know what he could do. And I think that comes into play because when you go after assistant coaches, that is a huge deal. And I think Dan is right, was right by my side and financially was helping me in every way go recruit every, every assistant coach I wanted. So that is such a huge deal. And I, I told Ron, I said, look, he's going to be there. He, he's going to give you the resources. If you tell him and discuss anything with him that makes sense for that football team, he's going to do it. And, and that clearly resonated with him. And what was your impression of Ron Rivera in meeting him? I felt like, um, I felt like for, uh, first of all, I think he's, I think he's a, a man's man. <laughs> I think this guy's played in the NFL. I think when he talks, those players are going to respect him. I, I think he had, to me, good, you know, he had, had, had good common sense. He immediately was telling me about personnel. He had got found, studied it, and I think that's one of the driving forces that got him to go to the Redskins. Mm-hmm. I think he feels like they got talent. And so that was, that was exciting to hear him talk about that. Um, I think he's, you know, I think he's got good common sense. I think he's uh, certainly a good football mind, and I think... You know, he kind of explained how he works on the sideline and all the things and the way he, he thinks about the football team, uh, the way to manage the football team. And so we had good discussions. Um, it was just, but I think more than anything, I probably helped him, or, or, or I probably helped to give him a real feeling of what it's like with Dan. And I think that's what he's going to find. And when you... When you know, I've talked to some people in the organization now, and you you know you talk to other people who have been there, and they say that they feel like Ron probably has more power than maybe any coach that Dan has had, just because of the point we're at with this franchise. How have you seen Dan handle this? And do you think that did you sense anything different about him maybe going through the process this time because of what's happened the last few years? I, yeah, I, th- I think what's, you know, being honest about it, I think Dan, when he got that team, you know, you know, everybody probably knows he was young and went after it. But I think over a period of time, he's also, he's a bright guy and learned a lot. And I think this go-around, he was kind of telling me, this is the way I want it. And, you know, the structure is going to be coach, 
centric and here's what I think is the best way for us to organize things this go around. And so I think that made it uh, obviously a very good job for Ron. And so we talked about our lot and um, that did, you know, relate to me in a way because I knew how Dan treated me when I was there. And you kind of had that coach-centric approach as well. What is, why is that important for a coach, and, and how do you make that work as a coach? Because not every coach can handle that, so how do you make it work? I think, first of all, every NFL team seems to be very different, and there's all different kinds of ways of running a, an NFL team. Certainly you've seen it. Right. You can be GM-centered, you can be owner-centered, you can be a triumphant, you've got GM coach, owners sitting at the top. There is so many different ways um, to organize a football team. Uh, we deal with businesses here, we're a race team. We've got about 35 of the biggest and best businesses in the world. And what you find about businesses, that's the same thing. Right. The whole structure is a little different. And so there's all different kinds of ways of, of, of getting it done and organizing it in the NFL, the question becomes, can you win? Right. <laughs> That's what you want to do in the end. And so I, I, I think there's a lot of different ways of doing it, but I think for me, I was just kind of, there's certain things that I feel like the coach obviously has to have. One is the structure of the team and who, who stays, okay? That's one thing that the coach has to have. He's got to be the guy that says, this is the team uh, that I want to keep. These are the players that I want to keep on the team. And so there's some basics like that. But, you know, there's all different ways about how you run the, the player personnel side of things. You know, who's making the choices and all that. But that's done a number of different ways, too. Because, again, you're clo we know you're close to Dan, so in talking to him, and you you were able to be out a couple games with him this year, what was your sense about him? Because it was tough this year, I think, the last couple years for fans, for the organization, when you'd see the stadium at FedEx, you know, filled with a lot of opposing fans, and it was just a different time in this organization's history. How did you see him handle that? I think it really hurt Dan. Dan was, Dan, like I said, he, 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 he's not running it as a business. Dan's running it because it's something that's really important to him and his family. And to see him go through a tough time, which can happen right. to almost anybody. Right. For all it takes is a few injuries or some things turn the wrong way or lose a few close games early. But I think Dan has a burning desire to have the Burgundy and Redskins be at the top of the league. And that hurts when you see that. And so I think he was very motivated. He had a way that he wanted to do things. He made decisions early, and he was going to go after somebody that he thought well, could really get the Redskins back running. And I think he did all that. And when you, when you talked to Ron, how much did you talk about just dealing with, you know, generalities of the coach versus anything, I don't know about X's and O's, because I know you've been away from the game for a while, but just how much did he pick your brain on any of that versus how do you, about running an organization or anything? No, I think mostly what we talked about where I could help, you know, I've been out of the game for a long time. Right. 
well, he's, he's the guy that's got the modern knowledge of what's going on in the NFL. I don't. And so we talk more about organization, high structure, the owner, uh, the town, the fan base. You know, we talk some about assistant coaches and that type of thing, but mostly it was just, you know, it was about, like I said, uh, them, the structure there, and, and the fan base in Washington. But you know, you know, it's funny because I know you've been out of the game for a while, but when you see all this shifts in motions with the 49ers, the Rams got there last year using a lot of it, it's a lot more prevalent now. That was a lot of stuff that you used to do. Do you see, when you watch, do you see some things that you used to do being applied more now? Well, I, th- I think now the game's advanced and they're doing all kinds of things. You know, the game advances very quick. You got sure. people in the world coaching it and it goes fast. You got LPOs and other things that are going on. Um, quick set at the last scrimmage, a lot of spread. And so that, you know, it's like people asking me when I came back after the last 11 years, what do you think's changed? And I said, everything. 100%. <laughs> the only thing that never changes is human nature. And people and how you can motivate people and talking to people. Human nature never changes. And so I felt like that would be the same. People are good at handling people, working with people. A hundred years ago, are going to be good today. And so that doesn't change. But I think everything else does. And so, you know, if you can't talk to me about modern-day football, what's happening on the field, because I'm, I'm out of it. Right. And, and, you know, it's funny, though. I do know that when, when Sean McVay took over, one of the things he picked Chris Cooley's brain about was how you went about with your shifts in motion. So I do think there's some parts of what you used to do that are certainly being incorporated. Um, and again, the, the, it's all that is kind of big rise. But when you talk about dealing with people, and that's going to lead into the next topic, which is making the Hall of Fame in a second sport. First of all, congratulations. I know the induction ceremony is coming up later this month, but when you when you look at that, how do you feel that you were able to accomplish such a grand milestone in two different sports, in different roles, too? Well, I, I think what happens, John, and, and really the things that I've been in, the NFL, NASCAR, and the Smile Family business, it's all about people. And so I was... I was scared to death to do anything other than coach because I've been in coaching 30 years. Right. When I came over here, what amazed me is how close NASCAR is to the NFL. Yes, we got a car. That's different. But, but really what makes this and gives you the ability to run over here is your people. And again, it's picking the right people, developing a team. And, you know, that's the same principle in both sports. Matter of fact, you can look at the NFL. Uh, you got to have a great quarterback to go anywhere in the NFL. That's obvious. Over here, you got a driver. You're not going anywhere if you don't have a driver. Over there, you got to have a coach. Over here, that's a crew chief. All those things kind of match up. And so I've been fortunate. I was scared to death to come over here, but when I got over here, People would walk around the corner and go, you're not going to believe this. And I said, yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
it's the same thing. The difference is over here I've got to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> what? But I also over here what I love is i got the family with me, and i got grandkids coming, and uh, JD and Corey, so that's been a big deal for us. You, you know, you also have to, you, you know, when you're dealing with some of the drivers, you're dealing with some big-time personalities. How much of dealing with some of the personalities you had here help you kind of maybe deal with whatever fires that came up because of those personalities? Well, I think uh, it's just building teams. You're going to be working with people, and you're going to have personalities. Right. They're the same. They're all very different. And so that becomes the real key for a coach or a manager or a CEO. Uh, you know, are you good at working with people? Because none of us, you can't have a standard mold uh, mold that you treat everybody the same, because they're not the same. And so that's very interesting. I remember in the NFL, right down the hall, one day, Neil Lokowitz was there, and I said, Neil, come here for me. I said, you've been here four years, and I don't think I've ever said a word to you, because you did everything you wanted to do, it was the perfect, and I was dealing with all the, <laughs> the issues and problems and guys that were, causing all kinds of, uh, of, of angst. And so I told him, i got to apologize. Uh, I don't think I spent two minutes talking to him. So I think that's kind of, that's what happens. People are very different. You know, it's funny because one of the things, and one of the things I was going to ask you about is you are now 79 years old, which it makes, which is probably going to be a shock to everybody, but you still have that energy, that fire, because I was reading about, <laughs> I was reading about the you had I think it was at the Daytona 500 practice round last year with Denny Hamlin and he kind of went off and did his own thing and I'm it sounds like he was greeted by the old Joe Gibbs stare and fire when he came back in <laughs> well you do uh, you know like if, you got, if you're in a competitive sport this thing over here is just like the NFL man this is what people's lives they're giving it everything they got you're fighting for every inch you can get and every lap and so there's going to be some emotion yeah. thing, and it does come up every now and then, but we're so fortunate uh, here to wound up with great people, and Corey and myself now overseeing the race team, we've got great people here, and they're the ones that built this, and I get pushed up to the, you know, getting awards and stuff, but it's because of our people. What, what still drives you, Joe, because you, you have accomplished so much, and you're still going pretty hard. What still drives you? I think for me, it, it, it's uh, now, at this point in my life, I'm really focused on the race team, and we don't do anything else. We don't have other businesses or anything. This, is, this has to go for us. And i got eight grandkids. They're all coming. And so for me, it's Corey, myself, JD's legacy, and those grandkids and my daughter-in-law's. I mean, it's kind of family here. I want this thing to go. And it's like every other competitive sport, you got to be after it. And we got great partners here. The difference in this sport, which I really enjoy, is our sponsors, because our sponsors over here are actually in the game. Right. For two and a half hours, they're in the cars. They're, and when you win over here, it's a huge deal for those guys that have invested with you, their resources. And so I love that part of it. And so... That's where I spend most of my time. Speaking of Hall of Fame and one of your former players, Joe Jacoby, still not in there. What are people, what are the voters missing about Joe? I don't understand it. Because if you put, if you put up Joe's history, 
a guy went to four Super Bowls. He played left tackle in the NFC East against some of the greatest players in the world. You know, Hayley and people like that. This guy played uh, left tackle. He pulled on a, a base player that everybody talks about all the time, counter troll, right to the right, right. in the other direction, uh, more than left. And this guy was a key player in all that. And so, I don't, I don't understand. It's amazing to me. How could you go through that? And particularly this year, when we're putting in a number of players from the older era, I don't know how you can miss him. And so, I, I don't know, it baffles me. I'm discouraged by it. I've talked to a lot of people about it, and I don't get it. I'll be honest, I don't get it either. I didn't grow up in Washington. I grew up following the Hogs, and it's. I just always assumed all the, at least a few of those guys would get in, and especially Jacoby. And I thought a couple years ago that he was going to get in, and, and it didn't, and it's got to be disappointing for everybody involved in that. Yeah, well, I, I think more people are aware of it, so people like yourself, um, I just hope we keep talking about it and somehow people wake up. And I think that's a good way to put it, too. Just a couple more things. I want to ask you about the 91 team. Um, just when you look back on it now, has your, not so much your perception, but what are the things you look back on and remember more? And is there anything that maybe has changed with how you perceive that season or something that you look back on more than something else because of the length, length of time that's passed? Now, I, I think what I remember about that team it was a real close-knit group, and of course that happens with most real good teams, but it was very close-knit, and um, I, I felt like, you know, we got off, I think we went 11 straight, right? and I think we were 0 4 in preseason, and, but I, I feel like that team was, was like I said, very close-knit, um, a lot of the key guys there, um, and... I, I, I just know that each one of our Super Bowl teams just wound up being special, but the thing that they all kind of shared in common was that close-knit feeling, and sometimes as a coach, what gives you the best feeling, it's kind of hard to explain, but I'll try, when you get a team going, and they got leadership, and you know that the players on that are making this go, it gives you a real good feeling as a coach because you can kind of say, hey, these guys, they're going to handle it. And I remember that team, we had a group of leaders, and when we had issues going on or something we didn't, that I didn't like, I would meet with those veteran leaders. We had about 10 of them. And I would tell them this, I would say, this is your team, fix it. Yeah. And believe me, those guys fixed it. I don't know if I did a good job explaining it, but sometimes just get it going, and it gives you a confidence as a coach. Our guys, my guys are going to handle this. But it, I think it goes it goes back to what you said. It all starts with getting the right people there, so that because not everybody can do that. So you get the right people that can do that. And Joe, I want to close on this because I know a lot of ways this has been a great year for you, and, and in many many ways a very hard year for you. I'm sure with with the loss of your son JD more than a year ago. But I'm curious, what is his lasting impact? Do you feel? I'm going to start with that. I think you put it, John, the right way. His impact, which I think is very really important to all of us here. J.D., for us, you know, as a person, first of all, he tried his entire life from the time Pat and I 
God brought him in the world. He tried, I feel like, to be the best person he could be. And when he came here, uh, Jimmy was here and building the race team. He spent his entire life, professional life, building the race team. He had his own ministry. He spoke in public, and he led our team here in building this. And me and Corey today, we want to honor that. And I think one of the biggest things for us now that J.D. went to be with the Lord January 11th of last year, and we want his legacy and to continue. And his website, jdgibbslegacy.com, if you could just mention that. Yep. And that website, his songs read from his daily log, um, Melissa talked, J.D.'s brother, his brother Corey, myself, all of us shared in that, that um, service, and I think a lot of people say it's made a real impact on him. J.D.'s dream, too, was to have inner city young life, where lots of times they can't afford it in the inner city, and his legacy is built up, and they're doing that right now. And so his impact continues, but we miss J.D. a lot. And I read something where you said you felt his presence throughout the year. How did you feel that, and, and was it constant? I assume it would, I can't imagine what it would feel like. I would imagine there's not a second where you're not thinking about him, but how did you feel that presence? Well, I think it started when J.D. went to be with the Lord last year, January 11th. His number was 11th. Yeah. Quarterback in high school raised. Denny's number was 11th. Yep. NASCAR honored his life on the 11th lap of the Daytona 500, and Denny Hammond had not won the race the year before, with J.D.'s name over the door, won the Daytona 500. So it started, most people had looked at that and said, that can't be by accident. God was overseeing all of that. And then as the year went, I just felt like he was there. And it was a dream year for us. We won 19 races, won the championship at the end. And I just felt like, and I think everybody here that worked here, they knew JD and loved him. And I think everybody here wanted to win, were motivated to, to really have that to be a part of this year. And I think all of that kind of carried us all the way through the year. It wound up being a dream year. And the last thing, and just along with that, how many, with, with, his, with the kids and all that, how many of them are now getting into all this for you, with you? Well, I have, I have uh, eight grandkids, and some are football. J.D. and Miller and her adopt stay playing football. Um, I have one grandson, if you can imagine that, <laughs> full-time now, Ty. Uh, he's in the Arctic Series coming up this year, uh, and he's racing full-time. I have one girl, and she's into horses. So we got a little bit of everything there, and the rest of them are football, basketball, and baseball. And so I got a lot going chasing them, and a number of them have expressed that they want to work here at the race team. They're interning, four of them have interned now here in different, uh, in different departments. So we got a lot going on with the family, I just put that way. You know, maybe one of them will come up here one day and join this organization, huh? That'd be great. They, 
There you go. Joe, thank you very, very much for your time. I appreciate it. I know you're a very busy guy. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame and for being you know, one of the named one of the best coaches of all time. I think anybody who watched you here would not be surprised by that honor. Thank you very much for coming on. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. After this break, I'll be back with Chef Mel to discuss what he would recommend for your Super Bowl spread. One thing is clear, Mel likes spicy food. Welcome back, and now here's my interview with Chef Mel. And now, it's been a few weeks since I had Chef Mel on, but I had to bring him back because we have the Super Bowl coming up, and I miss talking to Mel. I miss talking food. So I got Chef Mel back on here. Mel, how you been? I've been good, John. And yourself? I, I've been all right, kind of relaxing a little bit, um, <laughs> trying to get to piece together information about this new staff. But I want to talk about food because, again, Super Bowl, with the Super Bowl uh, this week, um, would, what's your what's your go-to food when you're cooking for the Super Bowl? You talking Super Bowl? You want to do it big? You want to have a good spread, you know, for people to enjoy? You have a good, you know, like a lot of people have a lot of people over at their homes at that time, you know, have little Super Bowl parties. So you want to kind of have some fun, different um, menu options for people to enjoy, you know. What's your, what's your, do you have a go-to favorite menu item? You know, you want, my go-to is going to be some wings. You got to have the wings in the plate. If you don't have wings on the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's like, man, what kind of party you at? Because you got to have those wings. But it's, it's like, not that your ordinary wings, it's like some different um, chicken wings. Like, uh, just do a different sauce or something like that. But then you got, like, fun appetizers that you could uh, put together. Um, crab cakes, mini crab cakes. You know, it's like kind of like whatever spread you want for that day, you know, but you kind of want to eat good. So what, what's your, what's, what's your uh, spread? You maybe well, have a spread? Well, I don't – Mel, I don't do spreads. I let other people handle the spreads. I try I try to provide uh, the main no, meal. Don't never invite me. Listen, don't never invite me over. That means that you want me to sit here and make the spread for you. Oh, no, no, no. no. I, oh, no. See, I'm doing either the ribs or the brisket, one or the other. That's what I'm doing. So oh, all yeah. day I'm busy doing that. That's all I care about is the ribs or the brisket. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, that would that'd be nice right there. Well, and, and see, like last year, and I think I might do this this year too, but last year I did the brisket. And I think I talked about this before, but I, I actually I have. But it was the brisket, and then I got these little slider buns, and we, you know, you had this I, – I smoked some cheddar cheese and put the – um. And cut up pieces of brisket, Ooh. put it in the slider buns with some smoked cheddar cheese on there, melted a little bit, and then this aioli sauce on there that had like, you know, with some rosemary in it, and that was. Hey, John, you need to come on and do some part time with me, man. You need to get in the kitchen with me, man. You know a little something. Well, I mean, that's like, listen, we did that with um, this roasted or I smoked a pork loin last week, and we did something similar to that, but it had like this apple. I baked some apples. Um, and there was like this glaze that I mit an apple glazed to do it, and I put that. We, my wife put that into a slider bun, and it was it was fantastic. So that's man, that sound that sounds good. Yes, it is. You know, but you could do like you got like with the with the Super Bowl spread though, like you could do all kind of things, man. Lettuce wraps, you could do 
you know, like just get creative with it. What's your, you, you know, like so. Give me a lettuce wrap that you like to do. Oh man, I like to do a turkey a lettuce wrap. It's very light, um, a lot of flavor into that. Um, always go with a, a beef lettuce. You know, different ones. I do like a, a beef and a um, turkey. So give me like, what's, what do you put in the turkey? What do you put in the turkey wrap to make it tasty? Oh man, gotta have that cilantro in it, man. I put some cilantro in it. I put a little bit of uh, Chinese, like this Asian uh, hoisin sauce in it. Okay. And give it a little bit of. And then uh, you can add like some, you know, like some peanuts or something like that. With anything you want to like for a crunch, a little extra crunch. crunch in there, yeah. How about with yeah. the beef? How about with the beef wrap? Oh man, with the beef wrap. I say here, I spice it up a little bit. Just like a little bit. Put a little bit. Gotta gotta have a spicy beef lettuce wrap, man. You what know, kind I of just, spice I would you? What you what do you like? What spice would you like to have in there? I do like some peppers and onions. It's all different kind of flavors. So then I do like a nice uh, hot pepper. Gotta go to hot pepper and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm gonna go to the hottest of the hot. I don't take that much heat, but uh, I go with a hot pepper with it. And then to the, that the outside of the lettuce is going it's gonna balance it. It's gonna basically like mellow out a little bit. So you're not gonna really taking that well i don't know that heat when you had that hot pepper hot peppers hot peppers <laughs> hot peppers i would say you're you're gonna you're gonna get it no matter what if it's hot pepper so that's but that, that's see that's pretty good and i like like i like those lettuce wraps like that i don't make them but i like eating them i think they're great they're always good when people who know how to do them do them it shouldn't be that complicated but it's just complicated it just makes it like whatever you want to put into it right and you just call it lettuce wrap you know, like, you know, it's lettuce wrap. It's wrapped in lettuce. So that's all it is. Hey, it's not complicated, but you can put different, you know, uh, ingredients inside your wrap, whatever you want. If you want a shrimp lettuce wrap, you know, whatever one you're doing, you can add with a shrimp lettuce wrap. You can add some, uh, like, uh, mango salsa, uh, you know, a pico or something like that in there. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you're good. You're good yeah, to I go. Like, that, I like so the mango. I put some jalapeno peppers in that. With that, with that pico see you're always going yeah. back to that i like the mango salsa yeah the mango salsa man that would be really refreshing with the lettuce man i'll tell you that but yeah i'm look i'm excited man i don't know i'm gonna cook up a whole bunch of different items for super bowl man i'm gonna have some fun um i gotta sit here and create a menu and i want to know what other folks out there like you know the most about super bowl you know like the two bowl parties like what's they go to um for they, you know, like for their parties and, you know, whatever they host it. Most people go like Buffalo Wild Wing or go somewhere and watch the game. But, it, you know, it's really more fun when you sit here and have it at someone's home. I agree. I agree. And that's that's what we always you like know, to do. Whether, yeah. You know, even, listen. And you some, nice beers, and you, and you have some nice beers. And you got to sit here like have, like, you know, you might as well get a keg or something for the, for the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, sit here and stock up. Yeah, listen, listen. I mean, I that's why I like. I get last week I was doing, I was working the smoker, and it was cold out, right? It was thirty some degrees, but I, I just sat in the garage. I had the smoker just kind of right outside the garage, and I sat in the garage, have a TV in there, had a little portable heater, got a little cigar and a glass <laughs> of wine. It was pretty good, you know. Oh man, you done saying created you a, a new man cave. <laughs> I mean, it was. Listen, I, it was it was pretty good. I felt it was a little bit cold, a little bit cold, but it wasn't that bad, you know. So it was all right. Life well, was that's all right really, that day. Uh, that's that's pretty cool, right there. So, 
last thing, who who do you who do you like in this game? Oh man, you know I'm gonna go with the Chiefs, man. I want Andy Reid to to win, um, for as a coach, and it's a couple of guys like Freeland. I'm excited about being in there, um, in his first Super Bowl, and That's a couple right. other guys too in Fuller. But I'm just excited for them guys. Them guys deserve it. The guys work hard. And um, Honey Badger. Like that yeah. set of guys that's on at the Chiefs, they got they got something to play for. You know, these yeah. guys really like they 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 deserve it, man. Them guys work hard all the time, man, and, and they can't recognize for their hard work now and uh, yeah. not overlooked. And, yeah, uh, and like, don't get me wrong now, the forty nine is, is is pretty good too. And I'm look you know, like I said, I like both teams, but if I'm gonna have to make a choice, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where I'm looking too, and it's funny because you know, Kent, you got you got Fuller over there too, and, and Breland. I always like Breland. I always enjoy talking to him. And Fuller, I thought was one of the smarter players I've dealt with. Um, but it's funny you bring up Honey Badger because he's a guy that I always remember, keep in mind when people talk about guys coming out of the draft, how they're big risks. And I always look at like this guy turned around. This guy changed the perception of who he is by how he's played. Yep. So I, I enjoy watching him, and I enjoy having seen how he has become kind of player he is given what people worried about when he was coming into the NFL. So, you know, and I agree with Andy. He's good, man. Just a learning experience. Yep, it is. So, all right. All right, Mel. Well, listen, thank, you know, that was good. I think people got some things they can, can chew on for the recipes for whatever they want to put together. I like those lettuce wraps. Yep. I may recommend those to my wife. I again will be doing the brisket or the ribs. I'm not sure which one yet. Save me some of that brisket now. You gotta save me some brisket. Don't be send, don't be stingy with the brisket, man. Everybody always be stingy with the brisket. Oh, we sold out. Oh, we don't have anymore. <laughs> Everybody's brisket goes so fast, like bacon, man. Save me some, John. Well, listen. That's why one year, a couple years, I've had to go to the ribs because I got there too late to get the brisket. But I'm okay doing ribs too because I like I like ribs, so it, it works out okay. But you know, brisket. It's funny though, Mel, because people, a lot of people are afraid to do brisket because they're afraid to mess it up. And I, I, you know, the times I've done it, it doesn't always come out perfect. But when it does, it's you got to challenge yourself, John. You got to basically exactly. like, you, 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 like, let me tell you something. I make mistakes. I'm like, you know, like it, it can happen. You yeah. have to sit here and try. Like you'd have to just go through it and just go back in there and figure out what did you that's, do wrong. That's what I do about it. It's problem solving. It's yep. nothing else to it. You know, listen, brisket. You just got to. You gotta just you just have to do it. And sometimes when it comes out right, it's great. And even when like when I haven't nailed it, it's still good. It's just not restaurant quality good, which drives me. Let me, me tell nuts. you, when you're doing brisket, when you're doing brisket, when you're doing things like, you know, briskets and smoking or whatever how you're doing it, you wanna we wanna be really relaxed doing it. You don't wanna sit here and be right because you know, this is gonna be some time consuming, really like putting a lot of love into it. Cause that you know, you want that thing to come out right just so you don't want to rush anything. You don't want to. Sometimes you could just you could miss one thing because you know you got you know it could be a little off that day. Well, yep. you got to focus on that and, and and go back at it. I'm gonna get back to that game though, John. I, and also, I think man, I think they're gonna stop San Fran on the run game too. I think they're gonna expose that. Well, that'll be like to me the big thing is that 49er pass rush against Mahomes and that Chiefs offensive line because if they're not if they are so creative with what they do up front defensively for the Niners. But I'll be curious to see what they do and if, how much they're getting to Mahomes because nobody but has. They gonna come. To, oh look, I think they, I think both both coaches are gonna come up with a, a nice, you know, you know, nice good plays and everything. Like they're gonna come up with some great plays. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it's this is a big game. This is something yep. like really like I, um, 
chin in hand and 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 uh and Reed going at it. This this is it. This is like kind of like his dad in the background, kind of like yeah, hey, my son. You know? and, yeah. I, and I know he gained some type of you know, pointers from him. You know, so like so they. I mean, it's pretty awesome, man. You know, like I said, it's like Andy Reid, man. He just he must have been at a Super Bowl. Been yeah. I don't know. Not the Eagles, though. I don't want <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'm going to get the Chiefs, though, with it. I think, like I said, he he's there. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Richard Sherman's going to do, too. Richard Sherman, he uh, he's pretty good corner, too. So I think he's going to do a good job out there. So like That's I said, it's going to be a, a watch. It, it'll, be fun to, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to eat during the game. So... Mel, thank you as always for coming on. Always enjoy catching up with you, and we'll get you back on here soon for some other meals down the road. Hey, yes, sir, man. Don't forget that brisket for me, man. You have a good one, John. <laughs> All right, <Mel. laughs> Well, that's it for this week. Thank you very much to Joe Gibbs for joining me and being generous with his time. Thanks, as always, to Chef Mel. He's available for your catering needs. Check him out at 12tableselegantdining.com. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Without you, there's no podcast. Talk to you next time.